Welcome to Invasion of Privacy. I'm Kate Wolf, and today I have returning magical guest Allison Charles, the rock star shaman, is here. The cookie monster. She's eating a cookie. We are in a hallway. <laughs> <laughs> We're super luxe today. Yeah. I hope. Do you think that the echo is going to be a problem? Maybe it will just turn into like um, a spacey sound effect, you know, like where a they'll chapel. just adjust. Yeah. And they'll like it. It does kind of sound like we're in a magical chapel, but we are just in a hallway in New York City. <laughs> um, when she was plugging everything in, I was getting my cookies, you know, taking a sip of water, watching her plug in. I was like, this is a classic New York City moment. <laughs> just in a hallway, ready to podcast. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on a bit. Not okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You and I both don't. Oh, my God. Someone's coming in. This is oh, so funny. This Hi. This is amazing. <laughs> we have a guest. We have a podcast We're, we're guest. podcasting in the hallway. <laughs> What's Sorry. your name? Ben. Ben's Hi ben. here. Hello. Are you? Yeah, yeah. You can oh. walk right past yeah, us. Come on in. You just made a cameo in a, on a podcast. <laughs> Are you really? Hello. Hysterical. What's the name of your podcast? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, nice to meet you. This is invasion of privacy. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. That's so good. <laughs> Again, classic New York City moment. Podcast meets podcast. I guess it's just showing like how hectic life has been anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So without sharing details on either ends, you know, I can say for me, I've been in definitely a dark place recently to the point and, and for me the dark place is definitely different than your dark place whereas I feel like a lot of my dark place is stuff that I'm trying to have come up as part of the healing work so it's like okay I'm here um this isn't necessarily bad because I want this to come up but it's gotten so dark at times that some days I'm so paralyzed I can barely move or leave my house would you say that this is like the darkest phase you've ever been in I don't think it's the darkest. I think I'm experiencing darkness in a different way than I have before mm -hmm. from a more awakened place. But like after my divorce where I went up and, you know, ended up in the hospital, that was definitely just as dark, if not darker. Mm -hmm. um, but it was just hard. And the, today's different. Today, a, a lot more light started coming in um, in a feeling kind of way. But uh, the other days, it was like really hard for me to even experience joy. Like to, to feel that it was still there. Like it was so dark that I was like, oh my gosh, there's nothing I can do to feel even alive. Well, I remember when you called me yesterday or the day before and you were like, can you just tell me something that like th this is worth doing or like, you know, and I, I forget. I think I just started laughing. I was like, I don't know today. I'm not so sure I can help you out today. I don't know either. <laughs> At least we were able to both laugh from yeah. that. But... <sighs> yeah, it's um yeah, it's been an interesting phase for me too. I'm definitely facing a lot of different challenges and feeling into each one and discerning like what's what's the lesson here? Um wh where do I need to evolve and let myself be more aware? It, yeah, like why is this showing up for me? And a lot of it's happening at once, so it's 
juggling all these different things too. It's surprising though, even though on the positive side, there's tons going on. Then on the more challenging side, there's quite a bit going on. So, and then you put those two cauldrons together and there's just like a whole lot of stuff happening, but somehow I don't feel super overwhelmed. And that's been interesting for me to observe. Like, I think I'm writing the waves differently somehow. I'm somehow staying centered and more calm mm. than definitely in months or years past. If, if all of this was converging for me, you know, eight months ago or two years ago, I think, oh my gosh, I don't know what that would look like. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give too many details from my what's going on exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's childhood stuff coming up and also a present situation that's triggering it. And the present situation isn't a negative thing. It's just bringing stuff up. And I have to say, like, I've been waking up with horrific panic attacks every morning to the point where I'm almost nauseous. And I think that that feeling was probably always there. Maybe I'm just waking up to the fact that a lot of times in the mornings I have major horrible anxiety and just really trying to breathe through it. Remember, I'm going to get past it. But man, anxiety and panic attacks are so brutal. And it's linked to I'm like kind of opening up, I Mm -hmm. guess, Mm -hmm. and, and seeing while I open up, seeing a lot of my issues in a deeper way and how much I've blamed. So like I, I, that's been my big thing. Blame, mm-hmm. blame, blame. You're the reason why I'm upset. If only you did this, if only you could fix this, then can't I'd be see, okay. Yes. Can't you, you see, see what this? you're doing? Yeah. <laughs> and now that I'm coming into me and you know, there's a particular person in my life who I love very, very much, but I can fall into that trap of blame And now that I've kind of stopped that and I'm healing for real that wound, it just comes right back to me. And then boom, a memory comes up, you know, Mm. or like, boom, this panic attack comes up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I was avoiding by trying to control, you know, I was trying to control a person's behavior to manage my own anxiety and discomfort and loneliness. I've been feeling very, very lonely. Um, And... What kind of lonely? Just like oh, man, it's a lonely mixed with like sometimes I'll wake up, especially when I'm in all this pain and anxiety, and I'm like, I don't even know what I want to do with my day. Like to the point where it feels like there's nothing I want to do. Like yeah. I want to do something to feel happiness, even a little, but like I'm just like, oh my god, like everything feels gray. Like nothing mm-hmm. I can do will give me joy, and that's not every mm-hmm. day. Yeah, but. It's been coming up and it's just been fucking intense. Yeah. Panic attacks. I used to have them really bad back when I was in college. And oh my gosh, when I think about, you know, remembering what that feeling was like. And uh, I know that panic attacks can feel differently for different people. Some feel like they're having a heart attack for you. I think you said nausea. And um, I just remember this one that I had. My mom had come to visit me. I went to the University of Alabama, so we were down in Tuscaloosa, and um, we stopped into like a Cracker Barrel restaurant to eat, and we went in, and we, the, uh, what do you call the person that seats you? The hostess. She went to take us to our table, and we sat down, and 
all of a sudden, um, for me, I would always feel like everyone was staring at me and we sat down and I kid you not, in my mind, all in Cracker Barrels down in the South, let me tell you, they're full, they're busy. There's a lot of folks in the Cracker Barrel. And so there were, I don't know, 150 people. And I swore when we sat down, that every single head in that Cracker Barrel turned and looked, they were all looking at me. Wow. And I felt the panic attack set in and click in. And, you know, sometimes I got really dizzy or I would feel like I was going to throw up. And I just looked at my mom and she looked at me. She's like, Allison, what's, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? And I'm like, we have, we have to get out of here. I'm going to get sick. Like everybody's looking at me and we had to get up from the table and leave the cracker barrel. And they would all feel different, a little bit differently. Some with a similar thread, some would last, you know, different durations, but I had to get the anxiety and phobia workbook and I was a diligent student and I would try different methods and practices and I worked my way through it. Thank goodness. But, uh, yeah. And when you said, when you started having these, when you would wake up and then you thought, you know, this is probably something I had in me or I was feeling every day, but not really letting yourself feel, where do you think that was in you or, you know, I know it's such an interesting thing. I think cause we, we still go through cycles. So even though it was in me, um, doesn't mean some days were lighter for real than others, but I think it was, it's been, it started very young. Like I think I would probably wake up almost every day with panic in my body, mm. like just panic to be in my household, not knowing how I was going to get through that kind of abuse that I was having. Um, that was by the way, not, I was never physically beaten. But like, I think I would actually wake up with anxiety all the time. And then I had to just stuff it down. Like you wake up, you get through your day, you you tough it out, you know? And I think the more I'm softening these defenses, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the anxiety that I think has been there. Mm -hmm. And I might not always experience it as intensely as I am now, Mm -hmm. as I actually feel it and transmute it Mm -hmm. to whatever its original form was Mm -hmm. before the abuse. But right now, it's like I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, okay, it's here again. And I just have to like really breathe. And it's hard because I am talking to a person that means a lot, but, but you know, we trigger each other. So it's so hard to have that come up and really have to go, it is not this person's fault. Mm-hmm. It is not this person's fault. This was here. And I think I've done enough work where I can really do that and feel that. But it, it does leave you with just you. And... um you know, we all want, I think, to be saved from these places, whether mm-hmm. it's anxiety, anger, sadness, jealousy. You know, most of us don't want to make a home for it in ourselves, and even feel though consumed by those. Yes, because like, oh you forget God. it's just a part. Yeah. So I think, you know, my uh, coping mechanism was to try to be saved by these men. Mm. And now that that doesn't work, it's old. Okay, wait. I'm left so, with me. <laughs> so, okay, I'm just gotta, I'm trying to dip back into that. So you're, okay, the panicky, panicky, oh, scared little girl, like um, panicked. And then your, how is it your coping mechanism? How did that, how did that come into place? Like if, if, if what, if, if I can be a certain way and get into a role with a man so that he saves me, I then don't have to feel the panic. I'm just trying to connect the dots. Yeah. Like, so I never felt like I had a home, 
right? So I always hated my home life. And then when my parents got separated, my dad was the more stable one in many ways. Mm -hmm. Not 100%, but in many ways. And I think the obsession of wanting a man to save me was almost real in the sense of like, oh my God, I need my dad to come and save me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then that transferred into oh, one day I'm going to have a perfect family. One day I'm going to have a husband. You know, I'm going to be saved by the Mm -hmm. family I don't have. And, you know, then you go through your life and your journey and you realize really at the end of the day, you have to save yourself. And it comes down to self-worth, believing in yourself. And yes, you can have a family and you can have a great career. But until you feel like you can really sit with yourself and be the one to save you, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, the lesson I've been learning over and over again. And I even had a dream years ago when I first met Tim, actually. Literally that night when I went to bed, I had a dream where I was getting sucked up out of my body. Mm-hmm. And I started screaming and I could see this like green grid, like a matrix thing light up as I was getting sucked out. And I remember screaming Tim's name, even though I just met him, it was like one of those immediate bonds. I started screaming his name and a voice, maybe it was my higher self even, said, you can only do this alone. Hmm. And that's been like this deeper theme of like, you can only go, like no one can hold your hand into that place within yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't, like it has to be you. And it's been quite the journey of figuring that out. And um, I remember even in that dream, I looked in a mirror in the dream. It was lucid-ish. And I looked at my face and it was like contorting into these darker faces Mm. and um, I was terrified and that was part of it too. Like you have to face yourself and these different parts of yourself Mm. that you think are ugly or shameful and that you're scared of. Like it's time to go there and no one is going to hold your hand. Like you can have support, of course. Like I have you, I have my friend Tina, my friend, I don't want to name all my friends, Candy, but like, you know what I mean? Like I have a decent amount of friends and yet I still have to go there. Mm-hmm. I have to be the one to do it. And I think with the, when the panic attacks come up, it's like this new lesson. And I want to blame. I want to be like, oh, if only this person had been this, this, and this, I wouldn't be in this situation. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true because this feeling has to come up regardless for me to transmute and alchemize. And that's how healing works. As you know, I'm saying this more for listeners than to you, but it's like, you know, if you really want wholeness, you have to allow yourself to feel these locked away feelings and places that we um, disconnected from, exiled, and you have to really, at a cellular level, feel them. And, you know, I'm quote-unquote happy to do it, at the same time not happy to do it. Love doing it. (laughs) Love it. Uh, Yeah, I guess it's like uh, similar with me with the terror, the terrorized little girl who just like lived in sheer terror last summer when we did that event series together and in that guided meditation my I think the one who most dominantly comes to me is my seven-year-old self and God bless her she came and just came directly face to face with me like locked eyes with me and she just showed me through the look on her face and her like shaking and trembling and the look in her eyes that she locked into my eyes like the terror that she felt inside all those years growing up. And that was the first time that I was ready to see, willing to let myself see. And I looked at her and I'm like, at first I was just like, what does this mean? Like, why is she doing this? And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is that, that is how I felt 
like every day inside was just terror. And um, because for those of the listeners that don't know, Allison was like a champion runner. Mm-hmm. And that's if you want to describe more of the the terror that I think came along. Yeah, if you want I, to. Well, I mean, I'm open to. It. I'm just not sure how to best describe it. And you know, it, it's one of those stories too where I feel like I have to like somehow justify it or explain it. There, you know, I have this story in my head that when people hear that you know, it was a tough childhood because I was a national champion athlete. It's like, oh, boo effing who, you know? Your own judgment comes in. My own judgment that like, what, that's not traumatizing enough that I was like, you know, forced before I was three to run in road races and like groomed and bred to compete and to be the best and to be perfect and to be a champion and to rely on my physical vessel, um, winning my worth, uh, for myself and for others. And, you know, my dad being my coach and all, all of that stuff that because it started basically from the time I was born started competing before I was three, that's just was my norm. So then as more and more years go on and people are checking in, like, are you really okay? Are you okay with this? Do you want to do this? At that point, I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, cause I had to, I had to do that. I had to protect all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's just, that's just one facet of work that's come up more and more for me is really acknowledging, yeah, the trauma and the terror and all that I felt and genuinely went through. And yeah, victimization, I'm st- you know, that's a current thing for me is um including that part that part that aspect of me not pushing it away not saying like what was i saying the other day around it um like i oh i was like i because i don't want to i don't want it to seem or i don't want it to come across like i'm a victim and you were like but you you know at one point you were a victim allison so yeah i was you know i was saying to you and my healer eileen was saying to me is that sometimes we're scared to include a part of ourselves because we think it's going to take over. Mm-hmm. So if, oh, if I include the victim, I am a victim. Mm-hmm. If I include the part that has, that's super anxious and terrified, then that's who I am. And it's like, no, that's a part of yourself. And when you don't even allow it in, it becomes bigger than it is mm-hmm. because of that resistance you're giving it. So it's about allowing the part of you that was a victim and is still a victim to that thing and allowing it in. And it's normally young. Um, allows you to have such a different relationship when you just, you know, because we're ashamed. Oh, my God. Why would I feel like a victim? I'm not, I know I'm not a victim. I'm a powerful being. Yeah, uh-huh. but when you were younger, you were a victim. And I think the other thing we were kind of talking about with also not going into too many details um, is there's so much journey shaming that goes on. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain what that means is like now – in a way that's become overly PC. Like it's like, Oh, well, if you're a woman, you're allowed to be sympathized with. But if you're a man, like you've, you've already had your time here. You're not allowed to, you know, especially if you're a white man, Mm. it's like, there's this thing where it's like, now we're going to pick the people who have a right to feel victimized or Mm. pain. Um, instead of realizing that we're all suffering. Victimization is like, valid yeah worse than the others and like deserves more of my empathy than another and that that's goes back to my own thing inside with my story and I mean even right now in this moment I'm like feeling into it like the fact that 
I feel like even, you know, cause I mean, most of you know me by now, but I'm a very public shaman and do a lot of large events and talks and things. And when I'm trying to explain before I start the event, a little bit about my background, it's like, I still feel like I have to justify, um, you know, <laughs> the story. I don't know. And I, that's my own thing. I still need to look at and figure out is like just letting the story be told and land. And can I do that without then saying, um, I know this might not sound like abuse or might not sound like a victimization, but it was actually really hard, you know, like, will they get that and understand that without me explain, you know what I'm trying to say? No, I get it. It's exactly what I'm, it's exactly the thing. It's like, we feel guilt for even having the pain that we have and went through and like, we're always comparing it. Oh, well, it's not like I was yeah torture because I yeah I yeah. always think about yeah that like people when people are physically abused and things like that and you know I, I don't know like emotional abuse like I, I, like yeah the comparing thing's so strange you know in both ways when you compare like oh this person's doing better or well this, this person had it worse it's like how do I say this it, it doesn't even if someone did have it quote-unquote worse doesn't mean you aren't allowed your pain, mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know when that started, this comparing thing as a way to make ourselves feel like, oh, we should shut up then. But you're allowed to speak your truth, you know? And you're allowed to be like, no, this was fucked up and it hurt and I'm still dealing with the pain without having to compare yourself or having someone else being like, oh, well, you're fine. It's not like you were you know, burned with cigarettes on your body, Right. you know? And it's like, well, yeah, thank God that didn't happen. But, but do I make up that story of like, oh, boo hoo, you had to be a national champion athlete. Is that a story I'm making up or am I feeling into genuinely what people might or probably think when I share? It might be both. It's probably like a lineage old wound. That's not just about you as a runner, but about this overall, like, lack of sensitivity mm. you know it's like that police academy thing where it's uh -huh. like oh boo-hoo you have to run in place like it's like this thing that you're holding in your body that I think a lot of people have is this like boo-hoo boo-hoo get it together suck it up yeah clean yourself up keep it going keep cry it moving cry me a river yeah and I you know me I fucking hate that I'm like yeah I will cry you a river and you're welcome <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> that's like the first laugh I've had just now <laughs> this is this is the darkness I feel like we're both in like the tones a lot slower but this is where and what do you call it the school you go to calls it what the 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 thing we're in facing the darkness There's oh nega nega um yeah because because it's um oneg and nega and it's kind of like the yin yang right positive negative mm. And for me, I've really avoided feeling nega, like the discomfort of the ugly within me and in life. And I'm now starting to have a relationship to nega. But uh -huh. I think when you first start to bring that in, it feels all consuming, mm -hmm. even though it's not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I have been feeling consumed in the darkness a bit. Yeah. And it's interesting uh, what keeps coming up for me. And I don't think I really had a, a, 
a chance to share in full. When I was in LA, did I tell you about the um, the energy doctor that came? No. So one of the events that I did at a meditation center, it was a lovely event. And afterwards, there was an older gentleman and he stayed after to say thanks and was very kind. And he wanted to purchase the oil of gold that I work with. And, um, and then he gave me his card and it said, uh, energy medicine, Dr. Michael Gallitzer. And I was like, what What's going, who are you? Like, what yeah. is, what do you do? And he is, was a, a ER surgeon for 30 plus years in LA and uh, he transitioned into doing energy medicine. So I was wildly intrigued. And he was like, if you ever want to come to my office, it's like right across the street. Let me know while you're in LA. So the next day I just woke up and was like, you got to email doctor, got to email him. And I did. And he had me into his office and it was really interesting. He's got all of these gadgets and tools. It's like this energy medicine, like mad scientist, like goggles that light Amazing. up and things that test your finger. And he was doing this whole test where you hold this thing in your left hand, then he presses this thing on your index finger on your right finger. And there's this machine and he tosses in like little test tube things and presses. <laughs> nope, that's not it. And he just keeps going through. And in a mat, cause he'd done this for so long in a matter of a few minutes, he was able to discern, you know, the issue I've been having with sugar clearly as I was eating cookies when we started. Love it. <laughs> like, and then your body has three ways of metabolizing and working with sugar, your liver, your adrenals, and your something else. Then he tested the first two and like had no response. And then we went to the adrenal and went and like read off the meter and he's like okay so we have to give you a tonic for your adrenals. So I walked out of there with like I'm dropping like serums and tonics under my tongue like it's my job and you know, he gave me this like infrared treatment on my knees and had me like journey on this bed listening to this music. I was there for over three hours. Whoa. Just like Was he expensive? Probably. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing, but like he, you know, I think he knew there are some people that really get who you are and honor your work and like understand as a shamanic practitioner healers, like what we give all the time. Yeah. And I think there was something he felt a calling inside of him of like, wow, look at this woman. I can see her heart and soul and I want to provide like some healing back to her. That's so awesome. it was incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you, um, know so many amazing practitioners and have experienced all different types of healing modalities. Mm -hmm. Cause sometimes people will be like, well, what kinds of, things are out there, you know, and I feel like, you know, you have a larger repertoire than I do. It's like, cause you know, I'll tell them about sound baths. I'm a big fan of mm -hmm. finding a sound bath near you where the, I love the chakra crystal bowls. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. For me, I can really feel them going through my body, but like those, but then you've done like a sound healing with the woman in the city where she like lays you in the bed and uh. tunes it up and yeah, yeah, Carrie at Turn of Soul Wellness. She's incredible. She's like my go-to healer, and she's got a vibroacoustic waterbed. You lay on this. I call her the healing DJ. She's got like these <laughs> turntables and all these knobs, and she's super awake and gifted and hears spirit and sees, and you lay on this waterbed, and so she attunes the frequency and what's playing in the bed to like different organs and meridians that need tended to and you based upon why you're seeing her. Then in the midst of being on the healing magical waterbed, she's then channeling and seeing I've 
incredible, incredible sessions with her. Yeah. Well, Allison showed me some of the video from the first time with her, and you can literally see these blue orbs yeah. for real, like swimming around Allison. Like it's wild. It's yeah. like you can see blue orbs. Yeah, they're like angel beings. And one, it was wild to look at the pictures after because I didn't know it was really occurring. And then afterwards, one landed. Most of the pictures, there's a blue dot specifically right in the center of my heart chakra. And that particular session with her was around a lot of heart healing and trauma healing. It was just, yeah, and speaking of trauma, that's what came up for the energy medicine doctor and all those zip, zip, zaps and eye masks and all all this stuff that I tried for those three hours, there was a trauma thing that resurfaced. And I was like, huh, I wonder what the trauma is. And um, so it's a lot of the serums and things that I'm taking under my tongue every morning. I take the one with the T on the back for trauma last, and I let that one sit under my tongue the longest, and I let things surface up. And in the office, before he put it under my tongue, I said, I wonder what the trauma is. And he's like, well, you know, it could obviously, as you know, be any number of things, childhood, present, you know, recent and he goes, why don't you talk with it? And after we put it and see what comes up. And so he put the drops and I sat and closed my eyes and I just, and right away the thing surfaced of, um, me not feeling safe in my own body. Wow. That was the first one that came up like instantly me not feeling safe in my own body. And then I woke up this morning and had another layer of awareness around it. And it went back to, you know, the thing that happened with um, that guy I just like briefly talked to and like the whole. When he sent you that. Um, are you talking well, about the, the guy eczema, who sent the you eczema, the eczema that broke out? Oh, I thought you were talking about the guy no, who well, sent that's you. That's probably part of it the, too. This dude. Oh God. <laughs> Sent. Do you still have what it says? I do. But Can it's you say horrible. it? Well, it was so it was so crazy to the point. Like for me, one of my defenses is to laugh. Like I was like, it's because it's so like a dude actually thought that this was okay to send to you. He sent Allison this like meme, and um, I would I love for it. you to to read it. But this isn't, but then we can also get into what you were talking about with the eczema. I like how well, we're. Well, no, I don't really want to get into Yeah, yeah. It. Well, I, what I was going to oh, say is like. The picture. Oh, just... by the way, I'm wearing black spandex and I have like a white powder basically by my butthole. It looks like I sat in a fucking. Powdered donut. Powdered donut. The first when I saw it on her, I go, it looks like a ghost grabbed your ass. Like what is on your back of your pants? She's like, what are you talking about? So I took a picture. And I had just gotten off stage. <laughs> Oh my god! That's that's the universe. Whenever I try to dress sexy, or you know what I mean, like what is it trying to tell you? It's like, bitch, be humble, calm the fuck down. Like you can um, you can look pretty, but like you're a goof. We're all goofs, you know. So it's just funny. it keeps it real for me. I mean, here it is. I don't know. I'm really grappling with what feels most empowered. Me not saying this or me saying this. There's something what it weird. says. Yeah. Like, oh. Because it's just so it's viciously violent, and I almost feel like by broadcasting it out, like I, I don't know that I want people listening at home. Like it's such a vicious message. You know, it's literally like rape with words. Like that is the essence of that message. I won't read it, but what I'll say is that it's a very aggressive um, coming on to a person, but they add some spiritual terminology to it, which makes it even weirder. Like, and for me, like I'm someone with my jokes that talks very vulgar and like, I'm not about not saying, you know, the word pussy or whatever, but 
you know, when you send a person you don't know um, a thing saying what you want to do to them in a way that uses kind of violent words. Kind of to the <laughs> utmost. This is rape with words. I, it says I can't not. I can't, You're going to read it? I can't be nonviolent with your pussy. I can't be nonviolent with your pussy because I'm going to blank it up. Like, that's a message of rape, like literal. Well, this is what's interesting. Because one of my podcasts, we named it Murder My Vagina. I saw that and I didn't like it. But this is why. See, <laughs> let, let's get into this. Because, first of all, Amanda Bynes, who is amazing, she was on drugs and she texted or tweeted Drake that she wanted oh, him. Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, that she wanted him to murder her vagina. So that's what we were basing it off of was that story. And what I was saying is for me, when I'm in a relationship and comfortable with a person, I say crazy shit like that all the time. But it's not in an energy of rape because I believe you can do role playing of rape stuff when you're in a relationship that's loving and um, respectful. So for me, I'm not as freaked out by like saying things like murder my pussy or whatever. I think it just triggers me because of my like whatever, the stuff I've been through in life and the dishonoring of my physical body and vessel. And I'm still really working through that to a deep, big layer. So to me, it's more triggering. Yeah, but it's interesting because I work through, you know, in my family, there's, there's a, you know, rape stuff there. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, cause certain stuff would trigger me. Like if I get hit on by a truck driver and they're even doing like the pussy licking sign, like I want to murder, you know? But, um, for me, like, yeah, like the murder, my vagina or talking like that when it's with a person that you trust, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying things like, like they're like, I'm trying to think of like other examples, but like, if I'm sexting with someone, you know, that I'm like really close to, I'll say some weird, crazy shit, but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's always humor. Like if I said murder my vagina, I'm also being funny mm-hmm. in that. The way that came at you with that context of not really knowing a person and saying like, that. I've never met this person. That's not, yeah. <laughs> but but guys are so off. Like I, ha- I have people, because I talk so much about sex, I'll have people I don't know that like message me trying to like joke with me by saying really sexual things. And I'm like, I don't know you. Like, I know I talk about this very openly and that's cool. And I respect that you know me more, you know, even though you've never met me, but then to message me something very like, um, hitting on me or making a joke about something that I've shared feels, um, like lack of boundaries. And of course yours is, is different because it's like a whole other not respecting of boundaries, but I'm very cautious about boundaries lately, more so than ever. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I can't believe you saw the murder my vagina and you didn't like it. I did. I did. I, not to the point, like it yeah. was just like a fleeting dislike, you know, I didn't dwell on it and it wasn't a long lasting one. I don't even remember. Maybe I saw it tweeted. I don't remember where I saw it. But when I saw it, I remembered having the flash thought of like, oh, I don't think I like that. I wonder why she called it that. Yeah, it was a tribute to Amanda Bynes. But it was also saying like, well, if you've never said to a dude that you're with, murder my vagina, I don't know what to tell you. You know, it was that kind of thing. Like, but obviously joking, clearly a lot of people have not said something like that. Um, Because like guys will say like, I'm going to get in your guts and they don't mean like, see, you don't like it. But like, 
it's, it's just so uncomfortable. Like, it's just so sleepwalk, not awake, dishonoring. See, I disagree. I disagree. Like, I'm going to hit that. Um, all the languaging around it is just violent to me. But I feel like, once again, if you're in something that's encompassed in love and understanding, anything can be okay. It's your relationship to it. I'm not saying, I mean, even some people want to get role played and smacked on the butt. Like, and I don't think it's, and I used to be more judgmental of this, but I don't think saying like, oh, you can't ever say murder my vagina. It's always violent. It's not in the context that I would say it to someone. It would be funny. Maybe it's because I've never been in a relationship where, so that's an unknown realm for me. I, I, at this point can't imagine being in a healthy enough awake honoring relationship where that is a feasible possibility. Totally. So I'm just like, wait, what? I don't know about that, Kate, you know, because I don't know that yet. I don't know if I've ever experienced it yet. I do know whenever my next relationship is, but I'm going to damn sure make sure it's healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, with everything I've been through that I do want to do some weird role playing. I'm not saying I'll definitely get quote unquote fake raped, but I would do something weirder out there. Like, really dirty talk that would be shocking to most people, but it would be between me and him. And it would be in the realm of like, I do hold a lot of darkness. I have been through a lot and there is a part of me that's enticed by that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but I would, I don't even have sex with someone I'm not in love with. So, you know, I want to experience that once I'm in that zone of safety. Mm -hmm. Um, I have yet to be there. But yeah, I think it'll be, I think it's gonna be fun. And it, you know, you and I talk about Rihanna. I'm a huge fan of Rihanna. And what I love about her is that she embraces that, like, like her, her, uh, Instagram name is bad gal Riri. Mm-hmm. And I just like that, you know, in some of her videos, there, there are violent imagery and I don't think it's about getting rid of the violence within or even not being able to have that imagery. I think it's like the artist, the way the artist approaches it. Mm-hmm. Like when she does it, it doesn't feel to me, it could to other people. It feels empowering most of the times the way she embraces it. Um, but I don't know. I think it's every person gets to decide, Yeah. you know, because who am I to say to people who I used to be so much more judgmental, like, Oh, you do that sexually, you're fucked up. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, who am I to say, like people are into what they're into. And if you have a partner that's willing to explore that with you in a way you both feel honored and safe, mm-hmm. go for it. Yeah. Smell like tacos. <laughs> I keep getting whiffs of like delicious soft tacos or something. Really? I could definitely go for a taco. Although that's not smart because I've been having a stomach ache oh. and tacos would not <laughs> soothe that. You want to know why I have a stomach ache? I fucking, I ordered some like teriyaki dish two days ago through Seamless and I ate most of it. And then this morning I had some of the leftover teriyaki onions. Well, that sounds okay. What's when you just eat teriyaki onions oh, without that was the only pieces yeah, left? No rice, like yeah. just onions with teriyaki sauce floating around my stomach. Nothing of course, to I'm gonna with. feel bloated. <laughs> I do that shit. You the had worst one. Teriyaki onions today. <laughs> when I was like, I think I was twelve. I love pickles and I always have loved pickles. I've never liked pickles and I've only had like two pickles in my life. One was the first time and I was like, don't like this. And I gave them another shot like a couple years ago. I was like, still really don't like this. Those are the only two pickles I've ever had. Okay. Well, some people aren't pickle people. I'm a pickle person. Okay. And I remember when I was like 12, I 
finish the jar of pickles, but I still wanted like pickle. And I drank the pickle juice, Allison. I think an hour later, I basically like shit myself. Like, <laughs> oh my god! Just like pure liquid went right How through me. How much pickle juice is in a jar? I've never <laughs> a seen lot. it. I like had a decent amount, and just you know, whoop. Was it good while you were ingesting it? Like it was. I was really into it. Is and that then, the last time you did it? Yeah, I was like, not worth it. You cl- you gave yourself a pickle cleanse. I did. Yeah, the pickle cleanse. <laughs> if you guys have run out of laxatives, or here's like a little tip. Freaking ideas. Here's a new one. Pickle cleanse. Yeah, you could charge money for that. Go to the my friend, by the way, uh, from growing up, Casey. She just opened Juice Culture in Montclair, mm, oh, and I was so good. proud of her. I went to go visit. It was one of my few moments out of the house <laughs> last <laughs> week. Yeah. And man, it was like I was getting emotional because. I've been friends with her since I was like 14. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was just cool to see like a friend really following through on a dream. Has her own business. And oh man, you would love it. Like such high energy, high vibe. Um, drinks and food and the whole Some energy of it. Some green juices up in the yes. house. Yeah. Up in the hizzy. It was really cool. Mm. So yeah. So way to go, Casey. Nice. Giving her another shout out. Good work, Casey. Follow your dream. Let me read. I have a crazy email to read. Oh it almost Lord. it almost feels fake, but I don't think it was fake. But I always is this just like a fan person, a listener of the podcast listener. sent it in. So let's let's read it. And I keep wanting to burp because of the onions. Oh my god. <laughs> um, okay. I have a habit of lying about my life. It has got me in a lot of trouble before, such as lying. I raped a girl. Losing my virginity at nine, hmm. telling girls I'm rich with a big dick, and many more. Hmm. My parents don't trust me anymore, nor do my friends. Now, if I ever tell someone something, they never believe me. Well, yeah, obviously. But uh, I guess I've stopped lying so much and trying to get their trust back. But, well, fuck me, they don't care. I listen to your podcast a lot, and I need help on how to get their trust back. I also have a little dick. <laughs> I swear to God, that's the email I got. So I don't know if someone's fucking with me or not. I know. Because they end it, I also have a little dick. It's like, part of it felt like kind of genuine and heartfelt, but then, yeah. Do you think that, okay, yeah, it's it's one of two options. Yeah, the end is like, yeah, this is just totally. I'm just fucking with you. Or... It's someone truly wanting to make the shift and they're like, this is my chance the biggest truth that I can actually finally reveal and express and do so to a female whose show I listen to is the fact that I have a little penis. This is my moment. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to actually start to express the truth. And here it is. And like both, like, you know, which, which one is it of the two options? Like total bullshit or he's really stepping into the new and the truth. (laughs) I mean, I have a feeling it could be real Mm -hmm. and he's obviously has a sense of humor within that and yeah. it, and can be very dark um so i say we address it like it's real uh-huh. while acknowledging it's a pretty unreal out there yeah email um for me i think it's never too late to start actually speaking truth oh yeah and i think the longer you do it yeah some people might not ever believe you again because they're over it and some people will give you another chance yeah and I think it's totally possible to truly become a what call it a different person new person the true person you are I don't know how to label that thing but you know I know for me personally I mean my gosh the person I sit here as 
and I'm evolving every single day. So I'm like a new person every day, but who I am now versus pre-awakening and the mindset I was in then, the relationships and way I was living at times pre-awakening, it's a totally different person. So I wouldn't want to be judged and viewed, you know, I know it's possible to change. Like, absolutely. So you and I both have changed so much. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely, what tips though? Cause he really, what's interesting to me is the choice of lies are just so like incredibly. Well, he lied about raping a girl. Yeah. That's where it's super twisted. Like what is that root thing in him that, um, it was somehow thinking that, proclaiming that would what like make him feel or be viewed as powerful somehow or like you know what I'm saying there's yeah, some I don't rooted know. yeah thing that I think he that you kind person willing to change um I would I'd advise you to whatever healing path or practitioner feels right for you to like try to explore because we both know until you get to the root of anything like that deep, deep yeah. foundational why behind any behavior, it's really pretty hard, if not impossible to truly change. You have to go there. Yes. So he's got to find some sort of practice or healer or psychotherapist or someone that feels right for him to, to be going, be willing to go there with. I completely agree, you know, with the whole, you got to get to the root otherwise. Cause that's why like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of behavioral therapy. Cause it's like, okay, don't do that then. Yeah, but that thing's going to manifest in another way mm-hmm. if they don't get to the root of why they were doing that behavior. Like addiction transfer almost. I mean, like yes. not just exactly like, but like, yeah, it just keeps exactly. morphing. Yeah. And um, what a big, dark lie that's so interesting because most people would never want to be seen or known for that and you could go to jail for yeah, it. Yeah, run so, away from that and he's proclaiming that. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, starting off, really challenging yourself to be honest. And this is good for everyone because clearly this is an extreme version of lying, but we all kind of lie in small ways and they can build. You want to say something real quick? Well, I'm just, are you going to be able to hold where you're at? Yeah, 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 totally. I, I mean, I just am getting a subtle wave could be off, but I think a lot of this has to do with the underlying insecurity and shame he might feel around having a little penis. Like truly like, who knows you know, if, if that's the if, main thing. If a cup, but the examples he specifically used were telling girls that I have a big penis and I'm rich. So like I am powerful and I am this way and I am powerful in that way. And then like with raping a woman. But power doesn't always go to dick size. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying there isn't a big part so of it. there's so much of it in there. Yeah. You know? I mean, he could have been beat or whatever, you know? So that's why hmm. you don't want to sum it up to the one thing because we don't know, mm-hmm. you know? And I think it could be dangerous because yeah, I think it's dangerous to say, I'm not saying it doesn't play a part, but who knows, you know, mm-hmm. what made him want to lie about right, right, raping right. a person. But I was going to say before is that, you know, once again, this is an extreme case, but a lot of us have trouble being honest. Like even if, you know, you have plans with someone and suddenly you don't want to anymore. A lot of us go right to creating a lie to get out of it because we almost want to save the person, like protect them from the truth. So instead of saying, hey, I'm exhausted, I'm not in the mood, 
we would say like, oh my God, this thing came up. I can't get out of it. And I find Mm. that it dishonors you because you have every right to say what you want to do and don't want to do. And real friends ultimately are not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. And I've really made myself as best I can always tell the truth, even when it comes down to those small things. Mm. Like, okay, I don't want to do this thing and I'm not going to do it, but I also want to really tell this person as, as honestly as I can why and trust that if they have a bad reaction, that's on them Mm -hmm. and that's not my fault because I'm just doing what feels right to me. So once again, that's like a smaller version, but I think for everyone to try that of like, you know what? I really want to be as honest as I can be. Sometimes you can't be. Sometimes you're like, wait, if I tell my boss (laughs) how I really feel about this new idea he just proposed, I'm going to get fired. Or like, what about a situation where like, let's take the podcast, for example, like let's say this podcast was on deadline for, um, you know, to be submitted for some award or to, or to get on some sort of huge platform, um, something you've been working for your whole life and you've booked this person like two months ago and they know the parameters, they know how big of a deal this is. And then like, then you get that phone call from the person like the day of, and they're just like, you know what? Like, I just have to be honest with you. I I know that I said I would do this, but I just like, I'm not feeling up to it. Like, doesn't the other person, doesn't the host in that point, like have a position to say like, that's really fucked up. No, but they do. But what we're talking about is the honesty of the person saying it, because the other version of that would be the person who, who promised something just vanishing without saying it. Mm. Honesty is just about saying where you're at. Do you get what I'm saying? But so, so in the case that you well, presented- Well, because you said that if the person has a reaction, then that's on them, you know? Right, how do I, how do I explain this more? So suppose I say to someone, um, I'm gonna go to your birthday party, right? And then it, comes up the day of and I'm like I don't think I can go Mm. right it would be on me to not lie so we're talking about Mm. I'm already deciding I'm not going to go yeah it's now on me to be as honest as I can be as to why but that still lets the other person have their reaction it's still maybe I shouldn't say it's all on them it's on both both have a right to their feelings so if I said Mm. okay I can't come to your party anymore I'm having such bad anxiety The other person can go, thank you for being honest, but I'm really mad Mm -hmm. because you promised this. And then from there, they can decide. Then that person can change their mind. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to suck up my anxiety. I'll go for an hour and a half. Well, I don't want you to be here if you really don't want to be here. The last thing I want is like someone coming to my birthday party and they don't feel up to it and bringing the whole vibe down. I want this to be a really good time. But that's when it comes down to them because that person then is trying to force a mood from the other person. Like if, if the other person suddenly doesn't want to go, that's their truth. Mm-hmm. So you can't say to someone like, no, I want you to come, but enjoy it. You can't force someone to enjoy something they're not going to enjoy. But they can say though, I would rather you not at that yes. point. I, that's the last thing I honestly want. Like you sucking it up for me and like, you know, coming over to my party, like not feeling it and being miserable the whole time. At that point, I would rather you stay home. But then that would be that conversation. Do you get what I'm saying? But it's about having that conversation instead of, you know, most people, if they told someone they were doing something and then didn't, they'd be like, got a flat tire, got into a car accident, 
my, you know, grandfather's sick. Like most yeah. people come up with a thing so they won't have so to have that avoid, conversation. Yeah. Yes. Because if, if I promised you I was going to your party, suddenly didn't want to go and I've decided I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to push myself through it. Mm-hmm. Most people go, oh, well, I can't really tell them the truth mm-hmm. because they won't understand it. So I have to come up with this bigger and more exaggerated problem that mm-hmm. they can't, you know, dispute. Oh, I'm sorry that your grandfather's in the hospital, but you still better come to my party because yeah. then they look like the asshole, right? right? Right, So I'm saying this test of actually saying your truth. Right. And that's why I'm saying it's on the other person. They're still allowed their reaction, but you're just telling the truth. And then from there, both of you mm-hmm. can say how you feel and then it can actually unfold organically the way it's meant to. Mm-hmm. But if you're only bringing lies to the table, what's unfolding isn't necessarily truth. Mm-hmm. Then, oh, I'm so sorry about your your grandfather. And then suddenly this other thing happens and then this person goes, oh, thank you for thinking of us. You know, you start creating this scenario and both parties know it's wrong. And then what if like in a month that friend is like, how is your grandpa doing from that? And then the person forgets that they lied and they're like, what are you talking about? My grandma's been in Florida and and you're like, but wait. (laughs) And then you have to backpedal and like, so that's what I'm saying. It doesn't take away the right from the other party to be upset or say, no, 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 you're fucking me over. You said you were going to bring the cupcakes. I guess and now yeah, I no one's. The, yeah. Well, it's on them. Like that thing that threw me. Yeah. I guess what I mean is like truth is truth and you can't force a person to not feel that way. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't be upset and voice your truth on that. But when, po- when both or when at least one party starts off by holding back, mm-hmm. there's nothing real even yeah to go through yeah it's all we're like battling ghosts and then we can always feel on the deepest level the truth yes so then you have that layer where you're like something feels off and then you think you're going crazy because you love and trust that person so you know it just gets you spinning in circles and I just feel like let's stop doing that to ourselves and each other and just start being like you know Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean Listen, if I, pro- if I personally promised someone I'd be at their birthday party, I would do everything in my power to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not an excuse to just flake on everyone. But at the same time, like, and yeah. you and I both do this with each other. Like, we'll have plans sometimes and yeah. one of us will be like, hey, I'm so swamped. Yeah. This stuff came up. Would you be mad? And almost never. We're always like, oh, my God, go do your thing. Yeah. But if I, it was it a bigger comes, thing. It comes up, though, like when I, I forget the last scenario, but there was something that you and I had planned. I don't remember what it was. I had a show at Stand Up and... um we were going to get dinner after. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I forget what was going on in my end, but I just, I couldn't. You were super busy. Yeah. And I was, and I was feeling overwhelmed and I remember being scared before yeah. calling you. I was kind of tight and constricted. I was like, Oh my God, like we planned this a while ago, but I just really can't do this. And I have to tell her, I think she's going to be mad and like, but yeah, sorry. <laughs> Another burping. onion. Teriyaki <laughs> burp. Um, so that's what I mean is like, Cause I would never personally want a friend, um, doing something that they didn't feel good doing. Oh, oh we got, got another a pizza delivery now. This is amazing. <laughs> Come on up. Hey. We've got pizza being delivered. Not to us. Unfortunately, don't mind us. What kind of, although pizza, pizza sounds good. Pepperoni mixed meat. Mixed meat. Oh, I don't this even eat meat. So I can't you, steal any. Yeah. No yeah here. Sorry. Come through. Oh, no, no, no. Don't apologize. We're in the middle of a hallway. <laughs> <laughs> don't mind us. Yeah. That's so good. 
Um, it just gets more and more NYC <laughs> moment. The pizza, the New York City pizza just got delivered. Amazing. Mixed meat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mix your meat. I'm joking. <laughs> it's part of that. Okay, forget it. Um, anyway, so, oh. See ya. We're back through. Have a good Have rest a good of the night. night. Um, yeah, so that's all I'm saying is like learning. I would never want a friend who didn't want to be there to force themselves there. Yeah. Now I'm sure if I had said to you like, Oh my God, I really needed to see you. I'm going to this thing. Like we could have worked it out, figured out like meeting somewhere else or who yeah. knows. But yeah, at least it starts the conversation rather than you thinking you either need to suck it up mm-hmm. and meet me or create or lie. a lie. Yeah. Cause I would never want you to feel like you have to, to lie either. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, and that's, I guess the point is like, and, and not everyone's ready to implement this thing, mm-hmm. but I think the, the most you can just start like, okay, all right, I'm not ready to tell the full truth, but how can I get closer than saying my grandfather's mm-hmm. sick? Or that I have a really large penis and I'm rich or whatever. Yeah. Well, his was extreme. In summation, what end cliff notes do we give this reader, listener, caller? I think, I think there's always time to have another chance and to heal and work on yourself. And I would say you got to just keep being honest. And even if most people are done and don't want to give you another chance, trust that there will be at least one who is willing to see the work that you're going to be doing and also really stick to it too. Like if you keep saying really crazy fucked up lies, you know, they have a right to be like, yeah, no, I've been hurt so much. I don't want to keep doing this, but I would say never give up on yourself. There's always time to make amends, um, especially when it comes to forgiving yourself. Mm-hmm. And I would say, yeah, do it. Start telling the truth. And you already did. Like you sent an email that was pretty freaking like, whoa, but you told the truth. Mm-hmm. So you can even somehow turn it into a thing that you own. Like, yeah, this is pretty fucking nuts. I said these things, you know, we all have really nuts, crazy parts within ourselves yeah. and not everyone's willing to share are crazy. So already you, you did a huge thing of honesty by sharing that email and writing in. I can't remember. Oh, please let it come to me. Um, there's a saying, ah, like your, your blank becomes your mission. There's like a word within a word. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Oh, darn it. Sorry. Um, and it's driving me nuts so much because it pertains to this. But like you truly can take these darkest aspects and darkest moments of yourself and they can be shifted into like what brings the most miracles into your life. You know, we're both that happened with us and that's like, you know, very common thing. So that's going to drive me nuts. I want to Google it. Give me my phone. Or do I have my phone? Well, we actually have to wrap it up. (laughs) We've come, we've come to the end of this podcast in the hallway. Fine. Um, but uh, do you want me to start plugging stuff and then and then you can? Let me see. If do you I want to plug first? And see. Now you plug while I. Okay, so I'm gonna. So let's say I have to think when this is coming out. Guys, come to Break Free. It's an amazing dance party. It's at a place called the Parlor. It's basically on 19th and 5th um, in the city. But I'll have all the info on Facebook and Instagram. But it's gonna be a crazy wild dance party. I really would love for you guys to be there. The space is incredible. So you can get your tickets on Eventbrite. Um, we've got someone else coming in. Oh, Hi, come on in. Um, <laughs> so what else? Funny. Dragon Sorcery is uh, the 23rd, uh, August 23rd at New York Comedy Club. And then um, August 30th, what? I'm doing Going Deep. Oh, right. 
right. at the Doing Living Marketplace that Allison is the resident shaman of. Also tickets on Eventbrite. So yeah. yeah, so I have three amazing events coming up and I would love to see you guys there. Amazing. I don't remember what the thing is. Maybe we can put it in text uh, when we post this. <laughs> but because um, this is going to drive me absolutely nuts. But uh, thank you for having me on your show again. You're welcome. And my Instagram is Rockstar Shaman. Website is AllisonCharles.com. A L Y S O N Charles.com. And uh, yeah, there's a, an amazing new conscious marketplace on 57th and 7th in Manhattan doing Living Marketplace. I do uh, a lot of head of events and programs. There, you can if you have any stuff you might want to do in there, let me know. You can email me info at allisoncharles.tv, and I'll be filming in there and doing Amazing. all sorts of stuff. I have my monthly moon event at the William Vale and other things that I can't remember right now. But the William Vale is August 8th for the full moon, and we do it outside. It's in Brooklyn, it's incredible views of the city, and I might only be there for be there for the next two months so if you want to if you've been wanting to come and haven't you better jump on it get in it get in there yeah um and yeah and my hub is the kate wolf i have all my eventbrite links in there as well so i should have thought sometimes i forget when i go on air like what i'm supposed to like mention or plug i'm gonna we're gonna get done i'm gonna be like oh my god i didn't say like x y and z you can always send me info and i can put it in the info all right or you go to the homepage on my website i list what i do there yeah well guys thanks for listening and uh Start telling the truth. (laughs) Bye. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.